Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. <sighs> I'm actually a bit nervous. Yeah, I know. All right, okay. Um, it's like a first date. <laughs> It's not like a first date. It's like a couple that have been like estranged for years and they're like, maybe we'll give another go for the kids. And it's that meeting. Yeah, I suppose. I guess, Craig, what I'm asking you is, will you be my Valentine? <laughs> Jesus. I've got no better options out there, mate. Yes. He said yes. Yes. He said yes. Hello, my name is Dave Handrady, and there will be no encore. It feels really good to say that. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Wow, That's we're back. Craig Fitzpatrick. Yay! Yay. Back. Let's back, give it up. Back. We're probably going to have to work on that, I think, ultimately. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, let's just fucking get to it, shall we? This is the No Encore Podcast. It's a music podcast based in Dublin, back after a two-month break. Of course, no popcorn or film-related offshoot has been... Uh, kind of full bore since then yeah three episodes everybody so that's pretty good (laughs) we're also going to be adding no parkour which is our youtube offshoot where myself and dave have gopros and we run around buildings um that's going to be fun that's uh, episode 200 (laughs) this is 198 um weird auspicious time it's been two months which is insane by the way how you feeling I feel nervous. I feel really nervous. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Have we done this before? Um, it, it was weird yeah. having that length of a break. I think it was good. We went away and we kind of, um, to quote Bono, dreamed it all up again. <laughs> Do you remember that was like his famous quote of like, after they did Rattle and Hum and everyone's just like, stop wearing Stetsons and talking about the blues. And he was like, he was on stage, he's like, we're going away to dream it all up again. And they came back with Octung Baby. 
This is our Octum baby. This All right. Season. Well, that was a that was a bold album, wasn't it? It had some really kind of different stuff for them. And Octum baby, yeah. There's going to be some different stuff for us. So I, season I, yeah. five. It's as season we were just five. Saying. I thought it was season four. It turns out it's season five. Terrifying. <laughs> Jesus. A <Christ>. half decade. <laughs> it's a music show, and <laughs> normally we have a preamble in which we kind of ramble for a while. And part of the plan of this show going forward is to kind of tighten it up a little bit. So the preamble is not necessarily going away. <laughs> Anyone who's heard this show before is like not happening. <laughs> I'm kind of scared because we we may have some new listeners, and if we do, maybe skip forward ten minutes if you want the show to be a bit more flowy. Should we tell people who we are? We're yeah, just we're I, essentially I think music that's journalists. What we should do? Yeah. yeah. Why don't you do it this time? So myself and yourself, our history goes back to the summer of 2011, I believe. Right? Say your name again, Craig Fitzpatrick. Say my name again, <laughs> Dave Hanratty. Dave Hanratty. Dave Hanratty. We'll never know. We'll never know. Nine years. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we met in the summer of 2011 um, in Hot Press, um, the the country's most fortnightly music magazine. That's what they call themselves. I think you you were doing your internship. I was the returning hero, having done an internship um, back for a job, and we became fast friends. I think it was your birthday, was it, when I came back? I started in the office. It was your birthday. We went out for your birthday. I, think, I invited and you to drink. Yeah, despite being like, "Who's this prick in the suit in the corner with his hair? How dare he?" <laughs> my first impression that you weren't so good, Craig. But really? Not, it's not true. Not in any kind of disparaging. Oh, way. Okay. But we became friends. It's true, and we've had occasional fights over the years, but mostly playful. Yes. And yeah, we started No Encore in 2016. Yeah. Long yeah. gone at a hot press, by the way. We all kind of left at different times. We started it with a friend of ours called Colin Morrigan. Another hot press head. Who you'll hear on the show again at some point, I'm sure, in the future. Yeah, and he's a he's alumni. And he's still in the WhatsApp group. Yeah, he won't leave. You work in advertising now? I do, yeah. Um, I work for Joe.ie. I'm a writer, uh, journalist, and broadcaster, and whatever yeah. the fuck you want to call me, I don't know. Uh, much like my surname, I'm not quite sure how to really articulate it. But this show has been our baby for a while, and it continues to be. We're back for a fifth season of the show. It is, in my opinion, uh, a unfiltered enough kind of honest account of things that happen in the music world, whether yeah. it's news or whether it's an album review or whatever. Um, and a lot of people have kind of said that like the chemistry is the big part of us. There's no <laughs> pressure on us now that we're officially, Craig, we're officially a duo. We are officially a duo. It's a bit of an announcement. There's um, a few announcements so, to make. Yeah. Do you want to get cracking yeah, on the list? Yeah, housekeeping. So like, ultimately, please allow this episode to be a little bit rambly in the preamble <laughs> because it has to be. It's been two months. The, okay, so that announcement, the first one is that Dahi Odroni is no longer a full-time member of the show, but he is still a member of the show. He's kind of gone onto the subs bench because he's very, very busy. First of all, congratulations once again. Choice Prize nominated for yes. his album, Loss. Fuck oh, yes. The boy. So happy for the boy. Uh, he's very much still a part of the show. He's just not going to be here every single week. Yeah, I will just say his last main contribution to the show was telling us. Yeah, but actually, just after he left it was kind of like how we should handle the running order. And his suggestion was, we start with the music news right off the bat, top story. So we've already failed him. We're going to do that from we next are, week. We are. <laughs> this week is unavoidable. So Dahi's still a member of the show, don't worry. But like ultimately... Also in the WhatsApp group. It's you and I, Craig. And I'm, against I'm okay the with world. It. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think, I think we can do this. Yeah. Um, uh, apart from that, also departing us, but this time actually permanently leaving us, is our long-term Sonic architect, Eve Murray. Yeah, the wind beneath our wings. Congratulations, Eve, on getting out. Uh, Eve's fucking awesome. She's worked tirelessly on the show for a very long time to make it sound as good as it does. We literally would have been lost without her so many, oh, not just so every yeah. week. Um, just a huge commitment that now someone else will have to take on the month, love, as I look through some gla- a glass window. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, she was tremendous. Yeah, and like, you know, she's a Mumford & Sons fan, but no one's perfect. But Eve, legitimately, seriously, honestly, thank you so, so much. I love you. We love you. You're the best. And thank you for everything that 
you did for the show. It would not be the same without you. And no. thank you so much. But yeah, one door closes, Craig. And another one opens. Yeah, hashtag announce <laughs> Shanahan, I've written down here. So welcome to the show, Adam Shanahan. <laughs> also known as My Fault. Adam is a music producer and an all-around good guy. Yes. And he's currently staring at us through a glass window. So. Which is both disconcerting and oddly comforting. I'm kind of liking seeing someone in the booth because Eve has been remote. Um, not, not emotionally, but location-wise for a while, so it's cool having a production person on site. Yeah, Adam actually uh, broke his non-core duck, as they say, with the episode of No Popcorn on La La Land, which came out a couple of days ago, and thank you very much for that, and thank you very much for being here with us. So, yeah, apart from that, I guess, before we get to the slight format changes that the show is going to go through, I need to take some time just to say a sincere, honest, legitimate thank you to every single person who got in touch with me over the last two months, because there's actually been a deluge. I've never had so much feedback for the show since doing it, and it's absolutely amazing. Ever since we put out the last couple of episodes of the year in which we went through the songs of the year and the albums of the year and of course you know <laughs> do you want to tell them what happened in the songs of the year Craig? <laughs> yeah so we settled down in Dahi's um, lovely new apartment for the evening for Swank Gaff yeah really Swank Gaff uh, pre-Christmas fun uh, recording back-to-back eps the first ep being songs of the year so we spent about two hours I would say just like it was hotly contested it was really interesting and um Quite an exertion, right? I was, like, emotionally spent at the end of the Songs of the Year episode. <laughs> Let me tell uh, you. We all were. <laughs> and as Dahi went to save the file, <laughs> I'll never forget the look on his face. He's just like, oh, no, it's gone. <laughs> Ashen-faced, crestfallen. Yeah, so we were like, listen, doesn't worry, these things happen. Stupid computer error. So we moved on with the albums of the year, which you can listen to now. And then Dave, um, like the hero that he is, took it upon himself to record a solo episode and run through the songs, um, yeah, in a solo Capacity. Definitely and sounding, definitely sounding as nervous as I kind of sound right now. It was a good app. I really first, enjoyed like, it. it Twenty was, minutes um, or so, but I, I, I enjoyed the vulnerability. A lot, of people, a lot of people seem to. Yeah. Um, a lot of people reached out and said very, very lovely things about that episode. And also, in general, like over the course of Christmas and into the new year, I've I've lost count of the amount of DMs and emails and even WhatsApp messages I've gotten off people. Can I just say, I've kept count of the amount I've got. Go Zero. No one has reached out to me. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Because well, I'm not, I'm not even, I know, maybe. But. I'm not even actually exaggerating for the purposes of making the show sound good. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I know. I, I've actually... You've shared a lot of the comments. This is the yeah, first time... It's, it's really heartwarming and This lovely. is the first time in a long time that I got more feedback on this than I did for that Daft Punk hit piece I wrote, which is usually <laughs> oh a regular... God, it's feed. a high benchmark. It is, Aren't you yeah. on the first page of the Google, Google search, search results? If you Google Daft Punk Random Access Memories, you'll get my hit piece there for sure so yeah honestly like legitimately i've gotten i i think i got back to everybody uh if i didn't i can only sincerely apologize but it was so heartening to hear from people who basically like told me about how much the show means to them and why it means so much to them because the show has traveled around the world with people which i find amazing like i haven't traveled around the fucking world but it's kind of crazy to me that our little show that could has and just a lot of people saying incredibly we've gone to brazil which is like what you really aspire to as a brazil which is fucking crazy i i people just kind of maintain that the show has been a really good constant in their lives and has kept them grounded with ireland when they're not in ireland uh, even though it's not necessarily the intention of what we do that's a really really cool thing a really cool impact to have on someone's life and also the thing we always hear about the show is that People say that it's like being in the pub with their mates talking about music. I, I think Owen Murray of The Thin Air and DJ Mag was the first person to kind of pay me that compliment and I love hearing it. So I'm really, really overwhelmed and I was and have been throughout and it, it's been a regular supply from like essay length fucking mails to really short and sweet ones and I read them all. 
Yeah. They really helped me get back to a place of revitalization with the show, which was one of the reasons for taking the break in the first place. I'm extremely excited. I know I've already made this preamble to be very rattly and rambly because I legitimately am kind of nervous. Um, but it's good. It's good nerves. I'm so fucking happy to be back. Yeah, it's great. I missed it. I mi- I had so much to I really missed it. Like, say about different news stories and songs coming out. We didn't get to give out about the Justin Bieber single. Yummy's atrocious. I'll just put that out there. I didn't get I- to talk about going to see Slipknot. <laughs> Yeah, I had to resort to like tweeting once a week, which was like hugely up on my usual frequency. How many Craig fans are you on these days? Um, I think, I believe 915 Craig fans can't be wrong. Fantastic. (laughs) If you want to follow us on Twitter or the show, you can go at at Show at Slane at HandReadyDave. Uh, with regards to the show going forward, very, very slight changes that must be made. So we'll start with some bad news for you. Songs of the Week is gone. It is not coming back. It is gone. <laughs> Why is it gone, Craig? We were a bit burnt out trying to find tracks every week. It felt like a bit of a slog. Um, also, I guess it was just so timely that like once the week's episode passed, it was like, really, why are we talking about these songs we don't particularly care about? We will, of course, chat about new releases just organically as it comes up. The big ones, of course, will feature in the news, but it's just as a segment that we feel like we have to wade through for 15 minutes every week it's gone it felt perfunctory and that was one thing I enjoyed hearing listener feedback on where people were kind of saying that like look listen you don't do stuff on the show that you feel like you feel like you yeah. have to well, do I'll also, I will also say that he also like, said you I'll, sound very the, handsome Dave it's <laughs> like oh, oh really, wow, really? Okay, what no, well, again nobody, nothing for me <laughs> Craig nobody actually said that <laughs> you do sound handsome and you look handsome happy Cheers. Valentine's Day thanks um, uh, I, I, listen, I will man, say in a lot I of got, the episodes as we go into the songs of the week segment we're like audibly going oh Okay. Yeah, no, so <laughs> How fast can we get through yeah. it? But no, Craig's right. We will still. There's one in this episode we'll be talking yeah. about for sure, a brand new one that could not be ignored. And it's more about doing stuff that we think that we should be doing. However, in its place, we, we thought long and hard about this one and we decided to just do what everyone else does. And we're going to do some lists. Every yeah. single episode now, as you can see in the name of the fucking episode from now on, top fives. We're going to have a top five in every episode. There might be some weeks when we don't have an album review, but we'll always have a top five. Mm-hmm. And we have a big Google Doc full of ideas. But I want to hear from you. Tell me some ideas. Throw them my way. Slide into my fucking DMs and tell me. So yeah. basically, uh, this week, as is the time of the year to do it, we're doing top five anti-love songs. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, not a contrarian, has decided that we should go with this. Now, I also, In <laughs> fairness, I suggested top five breakup songs. Yeah, and I expanded the remit. We'll talk about it later on. We will. Yeah. So the way that's going to work is I've got five songs. Craig's got five songs. Yeah. We're going to play some audio from those and we're going to talk about them. And each week we'll have a different topic. We won't spoil any of them for now. And we'll we'll see what comes up as we go. Yeah. And yeah, also on today's episode, we'll be reviewing the brand new album from Tame Impala. Very But I think that's enough preamble for one week, don't you, Craig? Yes, let's get into the news. Let's get to the fucking news. Okay, only one place to start. And as I was going to sleep on Wednesday night, Slothai decided to end his own career at the Enemy Awards. <sighs> yeah, Slothai cancelled is the headline. Um, uh, more recent updates, just as they come in, um, as we record, suggest that maybe people are handling it in a kind of quite um, civilised and grown-up way and he won't be completely cancelled. But yeah, so the Enemy Awards, which is still a thing, and actually quite massive, right? Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift was there. <laughs> Surprise she go to the Grammys. <laughs> she rocked up to this Enemy Awards that featured, um, as Dave was saying, Slow Tie um, being honoured with uh, the Hero of the Year Award. 
um, and pretty much ruining his acceptance speech. Quite quickly turned into the villain of the year. Yeah, so prior say. to him making that acceptance speech, which did, didn't, didn't quite happen, instead it was a potential fight, um, he'd been having some, what made it, like, started as banter with comedian Catherine Ryan, who was hosting the show, and quickly turned into him being quite awful um he seemed out of his mind if he was drinking if he was drugging um but he was sloppy as all hell um he was kind of all over it was the most cringy clip i've seen when dave sent it to me i just it was it was tough to get through yeah it was i think excruciating was the word that you yeah it was awful behavior from someone who was very clearly under the influence of perhaps several things but who knows i can't say uh, she, that, yeah. she fucking owned him like she was completely in control of what was going on but nonetheless this was a this isn't televised but people had like filmed it and stuff yeah um, essentially he was right up in her face he was pawing at her he was kind of he's kind of saying smell my cologne I know you it, want me you're yeah. jealous of such and such uh, then there was the second clip was the audience kind of taking umbrage to this um, I believe there was Mike Trone there was a kind of bit of back and forth as he was doing ex- his acceptance speech what what ended up happening was uh, Slotoy d- jumping into the audience and trying to start a fight with this guy and um, security separating them, him kind of being escorted away from the show. And that was that until this morning. Um, he's come out and apologised. Also, there's an interesting Vice article. I don't know if you read it, Dave, if you got a chance. It kind of came out about two or three o'clock. And it talks about from the point of view of someone that was actually there. Uh, they gave a bit of context and they were talking about how Catherine Ryan had started kind of a bit of banter with Slow Tie and just tried to explain why he was acting so ridiculously. Didn't really excuse anything. I thought his apology today was quite good. Did you read it? Yeah, and it was good. So yeah. she said last night on Twitter, someone like put her in a tweet and said, like, I hope she isn't feeling too uncomfortable and she quoted this person that he didn't make me uncomfortable this is why we need women in positions of power I knew he had lost from the moment that he opened his mouth like any heckler coming up against a comic not a woman a comic I was operating 2 out of 10 what a sweet boy I diffused it tonight was fun love heart emoji uh, sloth eye at around half 12 on Thursday said at enemy uh, he actually he put the dot on Twitter before the at that people never do because yeah. people don't seem to understand that. Uh, please forward my award to her because she is the hero of the year. What started as a joke between us escalated to a point of shameful actions on my part. I want to unreservedly apologize. There is no excuse and I am sorry I am not a hero. Catherine, you are a master at your craft and next time I'll take my seat and leave the comedy to you. To any woman or man who saw a reflection of situations they've been in those videos, I am sorry. I promise to do better. Let's talk here. She then replied to him and said, I knew you were joking and congratulations on your very award-worthy album. I hope you know that a bad day on social media passes so quickly. Everything will be better tomorrow. Two X's. Yeah. So. So essentially, I mean, like, listen. I think his behavior was terrible. Uh, I think he was very quickly shamed. I can imagine he's probably feeling horrific about it. I think this oh, yes. was two adults who diffused the situation. What a hangover! <laughs> horrendous. Two adults who diffused the situation publicly. Yeah. Uh, people were obviously there, and as is social media's want, it escalated into this massive cauldron. And I just don't think that cancelling someone is ever healthy. Um, I'm not a fan necessarily of Slow Thigh. I'm not defending his actions here. I think his actions were despicable. Uh, At the same time, dude was getting out of his fucking mind. He behaved horrendously. I don't think he was acting. I don't think he was compost mentis. She was in control. I think she didn't deserve what happened to her at all. Not in any way whatsoever. I don't know if she's putting on a front. I don't know if she's whatever. It's her decision really to kind of see how she feels about the situation. People are also entitled to see this kind of thing between celebrities and get offended on their behalf and also, you know, kind of contextualize within their own kind of experiences. 
But you just get to this typical social media thing of people fighting each other constantly, and it's just, it's not the move, guys. Yeah, also, it's not the, solve anything, also the kind of glee that people take and just being like, he's cancelled. We're over. Kind of jokingly said at the start, but like people really kind of relish the next person on the chopping block, I think, right? Big time. Um, like, so this vice piece, um, just to give a bit of context, and again, it's not like obviously everything he said was just horrendous, and yeah, Catherine was just like, she handled it so well, you shouldn't have to put up with that. But I think his intention seemed to be here's the voice piece alright so it says an earlier part of Ryan's act was a joke that she's attracted to the younger slow tie she'd walk down into the crowd and encouraged him to go up on stage with her all in good fun so then when he got up to get an award for best collaboration he kind of tried to get in on the banter but obviously he was out of his mind so like he just basically did a terrible a terrible job at like doing a bit of like yes anding the situation but I think his intention was to try and be hilarious rather than this weird creepy power play thing yeah he also has the whole persona of this kind of you know rest about rebel type thing and you know it's very like was it was it the Mercury's that you played at and he had like a severed head of Boris Johnson or yes. something he's got fuck Boris merch and yeah, yeah he's uh, known for his antics as the Metro photo I guess what's went. also not great is that he's been such a big proponent of like fighting toxic masculinity and a lot of his lyrics have been promoting feminism and I guess a lot of his fans have been like was that all a fucking show um, that's a red flag for sure yeah I mean, there's a lot of fake wokery going on out there, especially amongst blokes. And I'm always kind of skeptical of it when I see people who are particularly performative in that way. Um, I think ultimately it's not a great thing that happened. I don't want the guy to be fucking strung up from a lamppost. I just wish people could contextualize things a bit better. But again, people have the right to infer something how they wish. I just think that I don't want to say storm in a teacup because there are real issues here that were alluded to that people are affected by. But at the same time, Stop fucking being bloodthirsty about human beings one minute and then trying to be compassionate another minute because you must be fucking exhausted. I'm exhausted seeing it. Yeah. And I think if we do genuinely all believe that people can like make mistakes to a certain extent and then learn from them and move on, every kind of involved party here has done, you know, done the kind of damage limitation as best as possible uh, today. So, like, I guess fair dues in that respect. And, yeah, let's move on, maybe. Also making a mistake are Rage Against the Machine in deciding to play Electric Picnic this year <laughs> instead of playing their own gig in, say, the 3 Arena. I was hyped when I saw it, and then when I realised where they were playing, I was like, oh, damn it, man. You're not going. You're not going back. I've said it before too often, but I really don't want to go back to Electric Picnic anymore. I think the festival has become way too sprawling. I didn't enjoy it the last couple of years I've been there. I was there for work, and ultimately I felt very overwhelmed by the sensory experience of it. I think it's gone extremely corporate and commercial. I'm not someone who was there in the early glory days, so I'm not longing for a fucking 15,000... Maybe I am, I don't know. But like to me, it's just like so uninspiring. And also, like headline festival acts, generally you're getting a friendly match. Like Generally you're getting like a, an exhibition show, and it's like, grand, yeah, cool. If they play on like, the first night and they can get down and like, get out, I will consider it. But it's just really fucking disheartening when like you're, one of your favourite acts is doing this in this capacity when it's like, oh, come on, man. They also scooped Picnic by announcing it before they did, which is kind of funny. Oh, shit. It wasn't fucking planned, I don't think, so... Um, I, I must say, I used to be the biggest Rage fan. Well, not the biggest, but a huge Rage fan. No, you said the I biggest. <laughs> I was literally their biggest fan, all right? Um, che Guevara poster on your wall, wasn't it? I haven't gone back to their albums in years, I'd say. It was the 20th anniversary of the Battle of Los Angeles back in November. Yeah. That album is astonishing. It remains astonishing. Okay, I'll go it's back. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. For, like, they, they're, they're, they hold up. They do. Despite all the memery and everything around them, 
They're a legitimately amazing band. I wish they'd make a new album. I'm always skeptical. It's not going to happen, is it? Like, I don't, they don't seem interested. But like, I think maybe they're... Why? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? There's I so don't much... think the current climate kind of demands that political um, activism. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they just feel like, be- you know, best left alone, kind of immaculate legacy. Why add to it unless we feel like we really have something to say? I don't know. It's frustrating. They'll have run the jewels with them as well, which again, you're like, it'd be better to see them in like the Olympia or something, but I guess those days are over. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just disappointing. I'm just so fucking done with festivals. You were saying before that you think European festivals are the way forward, right? Yeah, and I'm going to Primavera this year as well. Are you? Um, having gone to Yokomajig Bilbao, Bilbao with BBK last year, which was great. Um, I really caught the bug for overseas festivals, which I hadn't done much of, if at all, previously. But yeah, it was just really good vibe. You're guaranteed sunshine, which actually makes a huge difference. Um, it just doesn't have any of the kind of the messy elements of Irish festivals, which I've definitely contributed in, but it just seems like a kind of friendlier, cooler vibe. The bands seem to be enjoying it more, probably because, like, for example, last year I saw The Strokes um, in Bilbao. They clearly spent the week in Bilbao just, like, having a holiday, and they were delighted to be there, as opposed to flying into fucking the middle of Ireland and flying straight back out again. Do you know what I mean? So. You mentioned The Strokes yeah, there, Craig. Do. do you want to hear their new song? That's out the door, Craig. It's the brand new song from Ya Boys, The Strokes, who were, to be fair, based on what I just said, they were fantastic at Picnic last year, so it is possible. Yeah. They were one of the headliners. They were on the main stage. And they have a brand new album coming out called The New Abnormal, produced by Rick Rubin, arriving on the 10th of April. What are you feeling right now? very excited. From the cover art, which is like this Basquiat thing, to like the title, it's nine tracks. Fucking, the song titles are great. This song is great. Like, they're kind of doubling down on the weirdness it, it feels very voidsy like there's not that much in the way of guitars here it's a fucking winning melody I was um, doing some like old school crooner shit on it it's great yeah on the voids like I was late to the human sadness party <laughs> oh man I can't believe we're doing fucking straight straight episode titles because that is the episode title <laughs> But human, the subtitle. <laughs> but human sadness by the voids is legitimately one of the best songs of the last ten years, and I'm okay with this being what it is. I really, really like it. Yeah, does it get a bit too fairy tale oddity at the end? It definitely does. But I I'm, don't know if it gets too. Really, do you think? I, his, I love that outro. His um, vocal is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, sounds he's got amazing. A sumptuous voice. He's right in his like perfect range. He, like in recent years, he goes falsetto a bit too readily. I think, which is like straining his limit. But on this, he's just like in his comfort zone and it sounds majestic. I feel like we're in the minority though. I've seen a lot of people trash this. I've seen people kind of deflated that it's not like a big, we're back, the Strokes are doing fucking garage rock again, but this is what I want from them. I, I, yeah, I'm all over this. Rumor mill suggests though that next week we'll get a more quote-unquote traditional Stroke single. And I guarantee I will probably not like that as much, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Because when they came back with um, Come Down Machine, the last album, um, all the time was very much that back to basics could have dropped off like a is this it era B-side um, and it just 
been there done that kind of thing I don't know it felt like they were trying too hard to recapture something this is great this is like magic they don't have to recapture old magic I think people will come around on it and I think in the context of the album to borrow a Craigism it will sound particularly good you're going to Primavera this is happening oh yeah yeah I'm seeing the strokes again unbelievable <laughs> so you have your tickets yeah yeah all booked um, Pavement are getting back together the National are playing, which I can take or leave. They're great live. Yeah, they are great live. You'll be in the Spanish sunny. sun. And yeah, like, this it'll is be very best. nice. To be honest, I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not seeing. Wine <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not seeing the strokes at a political rally. Did you see that Bernie thing? It's looking great. You didn't see it. No. So they played uh, Bernie Sanders New Hampshire rally, um, and it was excellent. The sets <laughs> on YouTube in like really good quality. The songs sound fantastic. I'm the here plates. with my new friends, the Strokes. Yeah, like the intro is surreal as fuck, and at the end. Um, <laughs> At the end, they're like inviting people up on stage, and the police are like, "What are you doing?" And like this fucking like cliched American New Hampshire cop gets on stage and starts giving out, and they break into New York City cops. <laughs> it's fucking sublime. How was Julian? Oh, on flying form, he was wearing like a kind of pop art suit. I remember that. a few years yeah. ago where when I was wearing those stupid like uh, twelve pubs of Christmas suits. Craig, you did not novelty things. The leader of the show. It was. It could have been one of those suits. I'm, I'm telling you, man. It was better tailored, obviously. But are Primavera doing the gender balance thing again? They did last. They year. are, yeah. And um, I believe they've dropped the tag of the new normal because it's just like their, you know, their plan going forward. They're not promoting it, and fair use to them. Also planning on going forward in this regard is Matty Healy of the 1975, who has said that the group will only perform at festivals with a gender-balanced lineup. He was responding to a call by The Guardian's deputy music editor, Laura Snapes, uh, for the band to add a condition to your writer that says you'll only play festivals that commit to X percent, ideally 50 percent, acts that include women and non-binary performers. This stems from what happens year on year, and with increasing fervour, the lineup for Reading and Leeds came out this time, and people inevitably did the, if you remove all the men off the poster here's the amount of women on there and yeah. it's a massive disparity uh, so on Twitter Matty Healy responded to Laura Snapes and said take this as me signing this contract I've agreed to some festivals already that may not adhere to this and I would never let fans down who already have tickets but from now on I will I believe this is how male artists can be true allies I'm sure my agents are having kittens right now, but time's up, man. People need to act and not <laughs> chat. Uh, there was a further expansion of this. They kind of turned into quick interview because Mandy Healy is clearly quite friendly with Laura Snapes. He, I was going to say, Laura Snapes could probably get him to do anything, right? He, he just gave <laughs> her, like when they won some Brit Awards last year, he called her out on stage and was like, she's amazing. I really like Laura Snapes. I think yeah, she's, she's great. Good and I feel really bad now because uh, she won't gave out to me on Twitter so oh what was this about again this was two years ago when the Guardian put out their top 100 songs of the year uh, and I went on Twitter you were like how much time did I put into this I went on don't that, that's that, that's really mean Craig I'm ouch okay sorry first show back I should first show that. back I went on Twitter and I, I did what I usually do which is say something snarky about music and I just said like this is really predictable and kind of shite and then I said like it looks like it was dashed off on Slack in about 90 minutes now I didn't at anybody in <laughs> I didn't have the Guardian in. Didn't do nothing. Laura Snipes, who does not follow me, and never will, clearly, uh, came for me, man, and gave me a very pithy reply. Well written, because she's a very good writer, and I you know, tried to hold my own, and in the end, I think she probably got the better of the fight. But ultimately, I was like, well, How did you try to hold your own? Because essentially, like, I her comeback remember. was just her plainly stating the facts of the amount of effort that went into compiling the list, right? She listed... It was the gist. It was yeah, very dry, just like, like our know, team of such and such spent, you know. But she had a sign-off that was like, hope that helps, with an exclamation yeah, yeah, mark, yeah, yeah. which is really pithy. And just like, it's it's a good way of putting someone down. So it's a pat on the head, essentially. And I, I can't remember what I wrote back with, but I think I included the phrase bravo. And then, you know, <laughs> basically me... 
basically me ensuring that I will never write for the Guardian's music section, <laughs> which is a shame because I'd actually love to. Dave, are you a generalist or a journalist? Uh, I'm still not sure. Um, but one of these days, we'll we'll try and figure out that conundrum that the Blizzard's drummer threw you that time on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, sorry. You get into a scrap with the drummer from the Blizzard on Twitter. <laughs> I get in a scrap with one of the most influential music journalists in the world, who is beloved by one of the most influential musicians in the world. That's great for me. We don't know how Maddie Healy feels about the Blizzard. And also, we? sorry, while I'm on this little path here, right? Laura Snipes was harassed by Amanda Palmer. I've had my own Amanda Palmer run in. Laura, there's more that unites us than divides us, okay? As for Maddie Healy, <laughs> he wants to unite people as well and not divide them, Craig. He is making this pledge. Uh, I believe Yanis Philippakis of the Foles? The Foles. <laughs> you can tell I'm fucking nervous. <laughs> He's from the Foles, Yeah, Craig. of Foles fame. He, at the Enemy Awards, before the real story broke out in the Sloth, I think, I think he made the same statement. And I say he's raging now. (laughs) Thunder (laughs) stolen. Um, Is this a Matty Healy thing to do, or is this the right thing to do? It's both, I think, which is strange for me to say. Um, Yeah, we've had, like, well, me particularly, have had um, little goes at Matty Healy, because I think... a lot of time he's quite performative I think musically speaking lyrically speaking he's been a bit I don't know he's wound me up uh, something rotten um, but in this case yeah fair dues because it is a case of putting your money where your mouth is quite literally so yeah fair play said he wanted to see other male musicians taking similar steps to ensure the equal representation of women non-binary and transgender musicians it's all about action he said when it comes to big socio-political issues and governments are involved sometimes action or protest can be just be ignored but when it comes to the music industry we can change that it's not a geopolitical nightmare it's the music industry and it's something that if everyone gets on board we can fix yeah he is also under immense pressure from the Twitter mob to have an opinion on everything and be completely woke and do everything. So I do have some sympathy. Like the the British um, general election, for example, there was like outrage that he hadn't said enough of like, you know, hashtag vote Corbyn, blah, blah, blah. I think they ended up tweeting something on the day and people were like, oh, what time do you call this? It's, it's, you know, five past three in the afternoon. Not good enough, Maddie. And it's just like, come on. I'd argue that that one was probably not good enough from a band that have made a lot of noise about that kind of stuff on stage and in their materials. To not uh, come on, they're secret Tories anyway, so... Do you think but, so? Yeah, of course. It wasn't his mum. Like, his mum's an act from acting stock and all that jazz, right? So all actors are Tories? Yeah, of course. Are you saying that Maddie Healy voted for Boris Johnson? Voted for Brexit? Um... Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Healy's wants his revolving door of prisons. <laughs> Even let a killer like Sideshow Bob back into society. Oh but Sideshow Bob for mayor. So, uh, yeah, also, lastly, I will say this about the, the entire argument. I'm always, I'll be brutally honest, I'm always skeptical about the ideas of quotas, but I say that as a fucking straight white male. And so my opinion on this it doesn't matter as much as it does for other people. I, I want people on festival bills and on award shows to be there on merit. I would agree that with a festival bill, it's a bit more wide-ranging. It's not about winning something. It's about providing a proper variety to people who are going to these things. And it is frustrating year on year, and you're always going to have a lot of people giving out about lineups, regardless of what's on there. So the music industry probably does need to actually fucking get its shit together, basically, is what I'm saying, Craig. That's what I'm saying. Here, here. Finally, gonna... someone said it. Okay. <laughs> Thank God we're back. <laughs> hey, Craig. What, Dave? <laughs> what day is the episode out? <laughs> Play the clip. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody looking forward to the weekend. Party and party. <laughs> yes, Craig. Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. <laughs>
<laughs> Rebecca Black's Valentine's Day, which came out in oh. 2011, would you believe? So, uh, yeah, it was the nine-year anniversary of the song Friday by Rebecca Black. What is your memories of this song? I was going to say, I don't remember this song at all. Fuck off. I remember it um, Too busy by... To Pavement, were you? <laughs> I remember it by proxy. I remember, like, a parody of it or some sound clip of someone just saying the chorus line. I don't remember the whole hype around this oh, whatsoever. Man, it when was, I was reading story. out of fucking control. I so, mean, it's amazing. <laughs> l- listen, I mean... Refresh this- me. Rebecca Black has uh, put out a very personal statement about it now as a 22-year-old woman. And as a 13-year-old girl, she was clearly taken advantage of by, like, a terrible music producer who made this horrendous song. And, like, listen, no amount of very eye-opening kind of statements made about how it affected your life and how badly it did can take away from the fact that this is a trash fire of a song. Like, there's just no way around it. It became infamous kind of instantly. Now, in fairness, you know, long posts that she made about how she basically had her fucking formative years destroyed because of this stupid fucking song. I remember seeing people on forums and stuff who were absolutely vicious and ruthless and there was no, you know, like, wouldn't pass today like some of the things were Yeah, 2011, man. And, yeah, it became this infamous kind of thing. It still has, like, fucking, I think, like, over 130 million YouTube views or something. So, during the week, she said, Above all things, I just wish I could go back and talk to my 13-year-old self who was terribly ashamed of herself and afraid of the world. To my 15-year-old self, who felt like she had nobody to talk to about the depression that she faced. To my 17-year-old self, who would get to school only to get food thrown at her and her friends. To my 19-year-old self, who had almost every producer slash songwriter tell me that they would never work with me. Hell, to myself a few days ago when I felt disgusting when I looked in the mirror. I'm trying to remind myself more and more that every day is a new opportunity to shift to reality and lift your spirit. You're not defined by any one choice or thing. Time heals, nothing is finite. It's a process, it's never too late to begin. And so here we go. Uh, post alongside a photograph of herself now. So yeah, I mean, it's it's Looking a strange... Awful. Well, she's gotten an awful lot of good press out of this in terms of, you know, this kind of ownership thereof. But obviously, I don't know the full backstory to the song, but I do believe that it came from some kind of strange, weird youtube hit factory thing. Because you look at, like, even the production value, it's absolute garbage. The lyrics are insane. The lyrics are fucking insane. Yeah. Like, this, this the, bit feels- about, the bit about, you know... Which seat will I take in the car? Yeah, (laughs) it feels really ahead of its time. It it feels like something that will come out now specifically like custom built to be like a meme factory just to kind of work on TikTok just to become a running joke, right? This is quite ahead of its time and also monstrous. And another example of the music industry just like destroying people's youths. Yeah, it's awful. And the song is not good. But (laughs) let's, let's not... You know, let, let's not have revisions history here. Yeah. I think it's awful what she went through, but it needs to just be kind of underlined that, th- that this was never a good thing. However, Craig, um, the story that I took this from, I think it was on Billboard, ends with the following paragraph. The singer was in for another sweet surprise when renowned The Needle Drop music vlogger Anthony Fantano dropped a gem of a comment. You dropped this, he tweeted, with a series of jewel-encrusted crown emojis. <sighs> Player. Gross. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Fucking hell. Do you want to talk about Fantana? Do you want to talk about some good music? <laughs> um, do I? Yes, I do. It's time for a segment that is staying within the confines of the show. It's our album review. Kevin Parker, aka Tame Impala, is back with a new album. It's called The Slow Rush. It's out now, and this song is called Posthumous Forgiveness. Every single
Craig. Yes, David. Who's Tame Impala? We need to work on this chemistry. <laughs> this renowned chemistry people were hankering for for two months. Oh, I still have to do the whole backstory thing, do I? That's what I was doing. All right, so... Christ. Uh, <laughs> Tame Impala. The kind of um, psychedelic rock saviors turned um, synth populists, right? From down under... Um, so Tame Impala are a band that have been around for um, the best part of a decade, actually more, probably about 12 to 13 years, and it's essentially a vehicle for um, the talented all-rounder that is Kevin Parker. Um, they do expand into a kind of proper touring monster. Um, they've probably become one of the biggest live propositions um, in the world in recent years, kind of um, quite surprisingly, I guess, just because their initial couple of releases were a bit more esoteric and a bit more niche. Um, now they're very mainstream. The Slow Rush, which is their new album, is their fourth album. Uh, personally speaking, I kind of completely fell for them um, with the Kaleidoscopic Lonerism, which was their second record, and that kind of set out their stall really well. It cemented a Tame Impala sound. Um, then I was kind of shocked at how good they did the synth thing on Currents. That was five years ago, Japers, um, and now they're back, back, back. Yeah, I read a premature evaluation of this on Stereogum during the week, which opened up with, I was worried about this one. I think a lot of people have kind of been... Uh, yeah, the single kind of um, drip feed has not been uh, great, I would say. I avoided it after the first one because sure. I kind of wanted to experience this thing as its own thing, which I guess is like how Tame Impala albums should be put through. Yes. I've always enjoyed Tame Impala. I've never quite got it. Like, I've never been like, you know, that's it. They're like the greatest thing ever. I saw them live once. They were phenomenal. It was at a festival. So, you know, more power to them can be done. Main stage, see? I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. But yeah, I, I know people who this band are heavenly they are top fucking tier Mount Rushmore of music and I don't quite understand that outside of some moments I mean like obvious choice here but I went back to like let it happen recently and the kick in like six and a half minutes in is one of the greatest kick-ins in music I think full stop Mm -hmm. I'm a huge huge fan of Kevin Parker's innovation and ability there's an amazing YouTube clip of him in his gaff which of course looks picturesque and serene overlooking this valley and he's basically like moving from one thing to another like one synth or one computer yeah and he's looping and he's like stops someone's he's like to take a drink and it's all these like loops coming together and it's just jesus fucking christ this is so much fun and <laughs> you're a savant clearly yeah i think in recent years he's talked about the idea of wanting to be the new max martin and yeah also, that's been the big kind of takeaway comment i think in all the promo right people are latching onto that thing of like he's going full pop and that he also kind of is like i'm okay with being a celebrity now like, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't seem okay with it, really, does he? He's a laid-back dude, but he's also quite reserved. I think he's he a celebrity in the sense he doesn't that, scream star. Does he? Yeah, that he's a famous musician, yeah. but like I don't, I don't see the star aura, and that's not a knock on the guy. Do you know, like it, it's kind of fitting. I think that Tame Impala are one of the biggest rock bands in the world nowadays because he feels and they feel very much more akin to like an EDM producer, where he's like doing all this stuff by himself, like in a bedroom or a kind of you know multi-million um, dollar studio. Uh, and he's like he's quite isolated and he's quite a shy person and he's not like your flamboyant rock star he's just like you know isolated putting music together and then having to play the part of the star which I think is like a lot of music nowadays all of which is to say that on this record there isn't a let it happen there isn't like a gigantic stadium sized banger on here but I don't think it needs it the more it goes on it's a strange experience I find myself very very easy to sink into it um I find psychedelic music quite difficult to kind of 
describe and delve into because then you run the risk of becoming like a shit. Start listing drugs. You, you run the risk of becoming like that guy from Newsnight who interviewed James Blake and I don't want to be that guy, you know, like where yeah, it's just yeah, really yeah. stuffy and anarchy and dumb because I don't know how to talk like that. Um, and I wish I had more of a complexion in that regard. So uh, I'm going to just break this into brass tacks. Craig, did you enjoy the album? Um, it Yeah, it was enjoyable. Um, it kind of washed over me well. Uh, I don't love it. I was quite disappointed with it just because they've such a high bar and I feel like on this he's a bit of a victim of his own success for a few different reasons like I I think he wants to get out of the making albums for Tame Impala game like the touring I'm sure he adores but like in everything he's saying in interviews he very much wants to be the producer guy the Max Martin thing keeps cropping up where he wants to collaborate and work with other people and I think let other people take his songs like a lot of the other talk around, like the album is that he spent so long just not feeling like he had an album in him. And in the end, this was the shortest kind of turnaround time. And like last minute, he was trying to finish off lyrics and which it sounds like a lot of the time, like it's quite prosaic. There's not a lot of kind of metaphorical magic. Um, I think it is that Tame Impala sound, but it's a bit watered down maybe. I don't know. There was just no surprise here. There was no novelty. I didn't feel like he was pushing any boundaries. When people are saying like, oh, he's brave to want to be a Max Martin and go full pop, I don't think that is really a brave move anymore. Um, It just seems to be what everyone is doing. And while the production is gorgeous, it's production that is used time and time again. Like so many of these songs sounded like um, not quite Tropicalia, but, you know, house pop, um, dance tropes we're hearing. It's like that kind of familiar mix of nostalgia and current, just that 90s thing. And I was kind of waiting for... The reason I kind of fell in love with Tame Apollo was because they took old kind of um, hairy uh, psych rock tropes and, you know, throwback rock things and really recontextualized them and made them modern and feel vibrant and just put them through this, you know, unique prism that sound is established and now I feel like he's just kind of whittling away at it and it's not working for me. It's the fourth album in total yeah. over the course of a 10-year period, but the first album in five. And you got to wonder if something got lost along the way. I kept wanting to love it. I kept wanting to be taken on this kind of majestic voyage. And at times, I wouldn't say I felt like a chore necessarily, but there were just times when I was like, yeah, I mean, you've done this better. You've done this before. Like, it's, like yeah. It's a bit of an amalgam of kind of better things. But when it clicks, it really, really does. There is some fantastic work on here. But yeah, so what do you think his head has been turned? Yeah, I mean, even thematically, the whole album's about... I think procrastination. It feels like it feels like a a band, like a an old school band's second album, where they're kind of complaining about life on the road and not being too inspired. And like, yeah, so many of these songs are just like dealing with deadlines and not really being able to get off the couch, um, for reasons of pure apathy rather than you know any kind of deep depression or deep insights, um. Yeah, I I don't know. Like he doesn't. He's an incredible. He's obviously an incredible musician, um, producer. Um, he can kind of arrive and stumble upon these uh, amazing sounds. But as a lyricist, and I think most importantly as a vocalist, I think he's his limitations are really shown up here. Can it be salvaged? Like, like, is this a case of this is the I'm off now, I'm off to go and be that big producer for big stars? I think that's what he wants to do. So it's probably a case of him getting that off his chest. Well, I guess and what I'm asking, like, and, has, has the Tame Impala project gone as far as I can go musically? Uh, he's definitely hit a roadblock for me, I think. Um, because 
it doesn't work for me moving the Tame Impala beast into this kind of synthetic, um, trying to compromise to current pop aesthetics vibe. Like what made them so big was that the likes of Rihanna, um, Lady Gaga, but Mark Ronson wanted to borrow from their psych sound rather than them actually meeting pop halfway, I think. It's weird now that he's trying to kind of be that um, classic pop producer when I don't think the hooks are there in the way they were when they were doing more psychedelic stuff. I don't think the kind of the really indelible riffs are either. As you say, there's some like gorgeous passages, but it was really tough to get my hooks into. Like there was, there's no kind of just, there's no elephants. There's no feel like we only go backwards. There's nothing of that ilk. I was reminded of the last Hot Chip album which was like a really nicely put together, like obviously immaculately produced because this is what these guys literally probably do in their fucking sleep. But I never went back to that record. I don't think I'm going to go back to this one terribly often either. It's been very well received though so far in the early reviews. Yeah, people are digging it. But I think people have a lot invested in him and in this band. Do you know what I mean? I feel like this might be one that actually doesn't age as well. I could be wrong. But... To me, like, I quite liked, when Borderline came out, people were kind of going, oh, I'm not sure. I kind of liked it. It's reworked here, and I think it's maybe one of the best things on it, which is disappointing. Yeah, okay. I don't Um, know. There's no real insight, is there? Like, when he's, one of the songs is clearly about his tough relationship with his father, um, posthumous forgiveness, his late father, and just, I mean, with all the kind of best will in the world, there's no... You don't feel there's any connection there. I certainly didn't. Vocally, he can't mix it up. It's not that he's limited technically, but he gets no real emotion in his voice. Whether he's talking about just missing an album deadline or talking about his late father, there's no kind of emotional inflection change whatsoever. It just becomes very wallpapery. It's a Civ-like experience. I had to go back to it very, very often to just remind myself of even like the way it kind of moved and where the tracks came along because it didn't really leave enough of an impression to be like any kind of indelible thing. Um... And there's a couple of vocal reaches and ticks and intonations that I was just like, oh, this is kind of irritating. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's strange. I mean, even like coming in, I was like, cool, going to review the Tame Impala album. And then as soon as we started talking, I was like, hang on. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what to say about I this. Know. There's, like, there's kind of nothing to say about it. Like, You know, my customary thing is I need five listens before I will give it a review. I'd say I've gone through about eight or nine and I still need to look at notes to kind of decipher between tracks. Like, it's just, it's a bit... Milk toast, it's a bit wishy-washy. Like, it really is. It just feels like it's apologetic and it's it's not rock and roll, Dave. <laughs> I'm going six out of ten. Yeah, it's a six out of ten for me. Okay, right. Uh, let's move straight into our brand new segment oh, of the show. <laughs> it's, uh, it's our time to shine, Craig. Yeah. I think we're, I, I, you know, I feel like this has been like a seven out of ten performance for me so far. Maybe even a six. But I'm like a fucking middle and five or six. I'm going to try and raise the game. I promise it's a good show, guys, I swear. Uh, we don't do it every week, you know? I know. It's like an old boxer. We need to get match fit. It's like an old boxer getting back through the ropes for one last payday. We're like the United of old. It takes us like half a season to get back into the swing of things. And you know, then we storm away with it. United are fucking doomed, dude. Yeah, I know. The United of old, so think like 1999. Okay, right. Fair enough. Oh, okay, right. Well, treble. In that case. Yeah, we're in the treble. Top five anti-love songs. You're going to have to give a definition. Okay, so as you said at the top of the show, initially your idea was breakup songs for Valentine's Day. It made a lot of sense. I thought, eh, you get into territory then of them just being kind of love songs. Like you want to be in love, but it's not happening. So I thought, let's go anti-love songs for the day that's in it. 
And my remit was kind of... Let's listen to a track and we'll explain some more. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong And I grew strong And I learned how to get along And so you're back From out of faith Yeah, so Gloria Gaynor didn't make it at the last minute This, Dave, was... This was the jewel in the crown of my top five for a few days, right? You this was the Paul Scholes in the United of Old Midfield <laughs> is it, How long is this analogy going to be here with <laughs> That's us That's the for? end of it <laughs> Also, all due respect in the world, I love you <laughs> You're fucking this up immediately. The plan was... I might have six clips, right? But but it's a very definite top five, and Gloria Gaynor is not in it. Will I explain why? Please. This is a great song for Valentine's Day if you're single and alone, but unfortunately, the song is not anti-love. As it turns out, first of all, in the chorus, she talks about how if she knows how to love, she'll stay alive. Right, so clearly clinging to love, and actually, as I did some background research, it turned out that this song was written and produced by Dino Ficaris and Freddie Perrin. And Dino had actually written the song after being fired from Motown Records. He then saw one of his songs on TV and felt reinvigorated about life and his career, and got back in the game. Wrote this song, so this is actually a revenge song about a record label. But it's amazing. And I think we needed something upbeat to kick this off because we're going to get very sad boy very quickly. Speaking of which, my actual number five, Bob Dylan. You say you're looking for someone Who'll pick you up each time you fall To gather flowers constantly And to come each time you call a lover for your life and nothing more But it ain't me, babe No, 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 it ain't me, babe It ain't me you're looking for Cool. So um, that was It Ain't Me, Babe. There could have been about, like, ten Dylan songs, I think. I think he's the master of, like, the kind of really bitter I don't give a shit about you kiss off, right? This is just very withering. Um, are you a Dylan fan in general, Dave? Can't use the word fan, like what I've heard, don't know enough about him. I've said before, I find it quite intimidating to dive into the massive, massive discography and legacy of someone like this when I didn't really do it in real time. Yeah, I think like if you're talking anti-love songs, um, starting off by telling someone to go away is as good as any. Um, this could be alongside Don't Think Twice, It's Alright. You know, so it's the likes of... Um, positively 4th Street. He's just, considering he started off as like a folky dude and become, it became massively popular, so many of his songs are him just basically telling all the people around him to fuck off. <laughs> but he does it so eloquently and this is great. Like this is really, it's such a sweet melody and he's just saying, listen, it's not for me. It's not even like, what I like about it is it's not that like this relationship isn't going to work. He's saying, yeah, I don't think like love as a concept is all that great. I think it's a bit ridiculous that you would expect me to back you up even if you're wrong. Uh, I'm not having it. I've enjoyed my time, but you'll find someone else. Well, it's a battlefield, isn't it, Craig? It really is. Pat Benatar thought it was that one. I want to, from the outset here, I want to just kind of state that 
every song is kind of a love song, right? So <laughs> it's like this is difficult. As <laughs> like, Gary Barlow once sang, "A million love songs." <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of there was lots of instances of me being like, "Well, this is definitely a fucking love song." Yeah. So I think our banner remit is this is good stuff to play on Valentine's Day if you're single or a bit bitter or ready to break up, right? I think that's it's an anti Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, absolutely. And with with that in mind, here's my number five. Listen, girls, I met the hottest guy ever. Basically, as I was stepping out of my SUV, I came face to face with my step cousin or whatever. Who cares? Anyway, he was wearing skinny jeans, had funky hair, and the cutest British accent ever. Straight away, I could tell he was a rocker from his sexy attitude and the way he looked at me. Mmm, he is totally awesome. Oh my god, I think I'm in love. Okay, listen, girls. I met the hottest guy ever. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> That's the Teenagers, a French band short-lived, you might say. Although, it says they're still going, but they've released one album to date called Reality Check in 2008. Yeah, I <laughs> I looked at their Wikipedia today because I don't know much about them. And it said, yeah, like they're currently working on new material, which will be released soon. And then Wikipedia had that thing just going, when? Question mark, with no references whatsoever. Citation needed. Uh, they so, started as a novelty act, did they? I don't the know. whole album is quite novelty. It's very satirical kind of stuff, but I think it's good satire. So the way this song uh, is called Homecoming <laughs> by the Teenagers. And essentially, it depicts the perspective of a guy on holiday in America. He meets this young girl. They sleep together. And it's their perspectives of the event. Now, you could make the argument, based on the male lyrics, this is the female verse that I played there, the male lyrics are very misogynistic and very gross, and they use very bad words. However, I don't think the song is misogynistic. I think oh, no, it's definitely I, not. I think the song is a commentary on youthful fickleness and how... His version is he just wants to get laid and treats her like a piece of meat. Her version is she thinks she's fallen in love with this dude. And she also like, you know, cutest British accent ever. It's clearly a French accent. It's very like, it's it's it was very like my spacey generation because it was, you know, 2007, 2008. If, any, yeah. if anything, like it kind of like, it kind of like predicted Instagram in a weird way. Like in that kind of culture and yeah, Tinder. Yeah, yeah. And I very, mean, you can go right up to Blonde's Facebook story of like that thing of just like, you know, add me, blah, blah, blah. It's a superior Gallic version of that for sure. <laughs> and also, I think as a song, as a short kind of poppy song, it's fucking really well constructed. Uh, that bit when the guitar kind of comes in halfway through that bit there is like irresistible. It's yeah. like New Order level. Of it's, like it's very gorgeous. of its time as well. Like just when everyone was doing those straight ahead, like linear guitars, it's, you know, it works. Yeah, it's a bit of a bop. Yeah. Um, and it is like, I think you were saying so many, like every song is a love song. I think this is the most like mask off um, music industry song in terms of what most like scumbags in bands are really thinking. Oh yeah. It's, like, it's, it's a really good satire, I think. Like, I don't know if if their intention was to be like this this completely critical thing or if they tapped into that themselves. I literally don't know. I know people who love this song who I've seen in bands and I know that they behave like this and it's not oh, a right. good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. However, I think so it's, it's kind of like, it's ironic, but it's not. Uh, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. like, I'm not advocating the behavior in the song from both parties are incredibly flawed but i think it's clever i think it's very well written and i think it's a fucking irresistible pop song okay speaking of irresistible pop songs um this is a band that are no longer with us it's palm of violets
So this is like an altogether much sweeter proposition, I think, right? It's best of friends, but it's also like a bit devastating. I can't really figure out this chorus. It's like the ultimate friend zone song. We've sang this chorus together. Yeah. It's a tremendous, (laughs) tremendous song. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And I guess, to be fair, I didn't quite cop that that's what it was about until you put it in the list. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was this anthem. I want to be your best friend. I don't want you to be my girl. Which is kind of devastating. But also, I feel like with the context of this band, and they seem like pretty sensitive, cerebral guys and their other material... I think there's a sweetness to it of just being like, hey, there's nothing wrong with platonic love. Let's celebrate being friends. And every song doesn't have to be a romantic endpoint of everyone having sex with each other. This can just be a thing of like, I know you would like this to go further, but hey, I do actually genuinely like you, unlike Bob Dylan. Uh, let's hang out and not have sex. So this band were around around that time when... I guess post Libertines and pre, yeah. you know, pre Fontaines, pre they uh, they were yeah or, they were christened by the enemy as like the new fucking beaten girl um, because <laughs> they had two front men and that's kind of where the similarities ended. I think they were much more they're kind of Doorsy and psychedelic and American in their sound. Well, how the hell did you like them? If I, I don't the know um, because they didn't have Jim Morrison doing <laughs> bad poetry over fucking everything. But they were around the time of like bands like Peace. And yeah, another kind of underrated band, I think. Really felt like these were going to be big bands on the indie circuit and then it just harsh. faded away. Yeah. But this is a fucking belter. It's a belter. Absolute yeah. belter. The debut album is very, very good. Um, and the second album continues that kind of motif of like, there's a song that contains the lyric, I'd rather die than fall in love, um, which is also quite good. But it sounds like at that point, they'd rather die than be in a band together. I think they were just like, eh, we don't really have any ideas left. We don't like each other. Let's just call it quits. So fair play. I should say I'll be putting this playlist out on my Twitter account, on the No Encore Twitter account. Craig will be putting it out in his as well yeah. a few hours after the show is dropped. So you get to enjoy all these songs. Like, for example, my number four. Please understand... This isn't just goodbye This is I can't stand you This is where the road Crashed into the ocean It rises all around me And now we're barely breathing A thousand faces will choose to ignore Curse my enemies forever the song is called No It Isn't by Plus 44. Plus 44 was an offshoot band of Blink-182 containing Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker and two other lads. One man is not in that group. That man's name is Tom DeLong, but he's all over this song, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> I was immediately just like, this is so many Blink-182 songs. It's good, but it's just, it harkens back to... I'm surprised you didn't put like something like Damn It on. I thought about it. Would that be up there? Yeah, okay. That's a very good shout, and it was kind of neck and neck, but No It Isn't to me is so much pettier. Yeah, it's I, so I love the pettiness of it. It's great. I I know nothing of this band apart from the personnel. Like this I never the dived only, in. They only had one album. It's called When Your Heart Stops Beating, and it, I really liked it. I think it's got some absolute belters on there. The title track is great. It's got some really good stuff on it. Travis Barker is always good value, and Mark Hoppus actually managed to work as a frontman on an entire solo record. Like it's no better than a three out of five, but it's a damn good three out of five. No, it isn't. Is the big fucking angst anthem, and I mean, you know, it's called No, it isn't. Uh, for obvious reasons so you know, when it comes up in an interview but Jesus Christ like it, the way it starts off and like it's immediately like, the most teenage boy first breakup thing of all time and it's about him and Tom to fucking long who are probably going to get back together eventually by the way um, but then like you get like that second verse and he's like I listen to you cry I cry for less attention but both my hands are tied and I'm pushed into the deep end I listen to you talk but talk is cheap and my mouth is filled with blood from trying not to speak so search for an excuse and someone to believe you in foreign dressing rooms 
I'm empty with the need to. And then it goes into the fucking yeah. big chorus. I think it works on a surface level. I think it works as a hilarious examination of a man in his like early to mid thirties falling out <laughs> with his best friend and writing this incredible so angsty like taking back Sunday brand new levels of we are feuding now I've always had a huge soft spot for it and it is if you're pissed off with someone it it fills that fucking void perfectly we ain't perfect Craig we're all flawed <laughs> no it isn't here here um, actually in keeping with that sentiment let's have some super free animals all those people that you hate Right, that was juxtaposed with you, which is just absolutely tremendous, right? I mean, such a glorious, gorgeous, should be a love song chorus. And the lyrics are, you've got to tolerate all those people that you hate. I'm not in love with you, but I won't hold that against you. So this isn't like a bitter, fuck you, I hate you thing. It's not. Re- it's kind of anti-love, but it's also saying like, listen, we can all somehow get along. I just love the fact that it's like... It's a weird inversion of the fact it's going for that, like, um, Philadelphia soul, like, really sweet, really wholesome love song sound. It's just such a lush production. You've got the weird vocoder verses. Also, um, a fact about this was they wanted Brian Harvey from E17 to sing it initially, and he rejected them. <laughs> Which, imagine that had happened. Uh <laughs> I can't quite see it, but they went with the vocoder and the verses. And stuff. It's almost uncategorizable as a song, and the idea of Brian Harvey being in there just takes it that to a whole other bizarre avant-garde hellscape level. I actually really want to hear that now. It's a fabulous song. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, Griffey's is such an incredible, incredible songwriter. Um, I, I've got like a soft spot for all those songs that are kind of sound like they're about something, but they're about they're something else else entirely. And this is, like, also social protest, I guess, right? Like, this could be a Marvin Gaye song because it's kind of about, like, uh, I don't know, socialism maybe, kind of, anti-capitalism. But it's basically saying, listen, even if I hate you, we can still live side by side. Here, here. Number three for me. In the unlikely event that you've got your headphones set to full blast, I'd recommend knocking that down a couple of notches. Homewrecker by Converge. Craig said to me when he saw my five, oh yeah, Converge, nailed on. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to have to talk me through some of the lyrics because, <laughs> as always with Converge, there's lyrics for every song and yet I can't make them out. <laughs> to be fair, that's kind of the gimmick in yes, a way. Yeah, yeah. Look, listen, I remember being in school. You, re- you remember school, Craig? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, in school. Secondary. It might surprise you to learn that I wasn't... Half term, exams, <laughs> the leaving search. Still get those nightmares, do you? <laughs> I get the nightmare about... Once uh, a year? No, no, more than once a year, but my nightmare isn't the exam. My nightmare is the exam's in like two weeks and I haven't gone to French class all year. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the one everyone has. And, and then for I'm me, like, it's Irish. And I'm like, I'll never pass. I can't leave. Yeah, no, for me, it's I'm, um, I'm my age 
and I'm informed that actually I, it turns out I failed Irish in the leaving cert and that invalidates my entire leaving cert and all my college degrees and all my work. So I have to go back and take it in the space of like three weeks. Was it Keith Duffy who did that? I feel like some boy band member did that. Uh, Des Bishop did it. Des Bishop did it. But I don't know, yeah. Maybe Keith Duffy, maybe I'm just imagining it. But that's not what we're here to talk about, Craig. We're here to talk about my my main squeezes, Converge, a metalcore band who are absolutely amazing. Uh, half of the tattoo on my left arm is about Converge, including the artwork off the album Jane Doe, which is my favourite record. This song is called Home Record. You asked about lyrics. Yeah. So um, I'm going to read out the entire lyrics to this song. <laughs> okay. They're not very, it's not that long. Ima- imagine the lyrics were just like Maneater by All Notes or something. <laughs> Or like fucking bad babysitter. I'm a bad babysitter. I got my boyfriend in the shower. Please don't do that ever again, especially on a microphone. So this is Home Record by Converge, and these are the lyrics by Jacob Bannon, a man who is in touch with his emotions. I have bled and I have given the longest of rivers and the longest of ropes, and you're not grasping, and my light is sinking on the horizon, knee deep among your wreckage and uncertainty, with anguish my crown and heartbreak my throne. I lay claim to this day, no love, no hope. I've lost count of the second chances. I lay claim to this day. No love, no hope. It's like the ending of The Grey. An amazing Liam Neeson film. <laughs> it's very, it's a desolate wasteland of lyric. Um, you say desolate wasteland, but like this is why I love Converge so much because, and these lyrics are very in keeping with a lot of his style. Uh, the worlds that he builds, the worlds that he desecrates, you might say, or the desecrated worlds that he tries to survive within. Stop writing his material for him. <laughs> I feel like I adore... The he says no love no hope but I don't I don't believe him mate. Uh, are you su- hold on? Are you suggesting this is a love song? <laughs> I, I, I come back to my to my hypothesis that, love that every song is a love song, Craig. Even bad babysitter. I presume. <laughs> so Jeez. yeah, I just think that this is. I mean, it had to be here. It is full-on aggression, complete propulsion, exceptionally put together. The kind of song that you either go with or you run a mile from. And yeah, that's my number three. Actually, can you tell me a bit about his process? Like, what does he has he talked about what he does in terms of does he write like a poem and then he just does his vocals kind of inspired by that, or does he just set lyrics to the vocals later? Do you know what I mean? He's an he's an artist, Craig. Like he. <laughs> He's an abstract painter. He literally David, is. David, talk to me about art. He literally is an abstract painter. That's not even like me being completely wanky. But like, the truth is, Craig he sees himself as a Roshko, does he? Truth is, I don't know, Craig. I have I've yet to interview the man, but I hope to do so someday. Why can't you just take it for what it is? This is clearly incredibly deep. I've I've read different things. I've read conflicting reports about this record and the title track in particular about how apparently it was about how he wanted to kill himself every day of his life for about three years. I don't know how true that is. Uh, I believe he's happily married with a family these days. All Converge records are a fucking punch to the solar plexus that goes through you and into your heart and destroys into a million pieces. But you can pick those pieces up, Craig. All right. Well, now it is time to go even darker. ABBA, they had to feature. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute royalty when it comes to these kind of songs, right? Like, between, I guess I could have gone for The Winner Takes It All, which is maybe their best song. It's the one everyone talks about when, because of the story behind it, and if you don't know, um, 
obviously ABBA being a four-piece, there were two couples um, towards the end of their career, the marriages were falling apart, and they were still singing songs to and about each other. The Fleetwood Mac of Sweden, I believe they're, they're known as. Yeah, it? very much so. Um, this one is more of my jam. I just think, like, it's so utterly, utterly devastating. It's that stoic, like, dead-eyed, um, we're trying to hold everything together in our civilised, happy family home, but it's just not working. Um it's really like it's a really devastating kiss off of just like they passed me by all of those great romances <laughs> you were holding me back I'm in this loveless marriage I need to get the hell out I'm like in bed staring at the ceiling wishing I was somewhere else and then at the end um, there's kind of uh, you know the surprise twist is that actually she's like oh no leaving the relationship was the worst thing ever but actually it's not that she's in love with the guy it's that she just kind of needed some kind of security so I guess a loveless marriage will have to do and it's heartbreaking <laughs> might sound like an insane thing to say but are Abbott underrated as songwriters considering how they kind of hide in plain sight with this kind of fucking misery <laughs> in, with these unbelievable gilded melodies yeah Sonic Architect Adam is um, vigorous Seriously, nodding his head. So, yeah, he very much agrees. Um, I think at this point, um, post Mamma Mia and Pierce Brosnan tackling their songs, they're probably getting their just rewards. They're now kind of legitimately seen as maybe up there with the Beatles in terms of pop songwriters, I think, right? They're kind of seminal. Um, but yeah, for years, they were just like, they were seen as a joke. They were seen as a cheesy act. They, you know, started on Eurovision, but no, such incredible, incredible songwriters. Um, because it has that mix of like classical stuff and it's just, and then like, there's almost like a ska feel to this. Like there's a weird bounce to it. Incredible. Number two for me. That is the incredible tones of Pete Silverman of the Antlers. Peter Silverman, rather, of the Antlers. I'm not on casual terms with the man. And would you want to be after hearing a song like this, Craig? This is I Don't Want Love from the album Burst Apart. A phenomenal group, a phenomenal vocalist and, and singer and writer. We, we, of course, saw the Antlers play an intimate gig in the Sherman yeah. Club about a year ago, which was absolutely devastating. They played the 10-year anniversary of Hospice. And uh, this is very straightforward, like from the title down to how it's delivered. But Jesus Christ, talk about, like getting inside someone and just fucking, you know, walking around for a while. <laughs> yeah. And like this, this um, is obviously off Burst Part, which followed on from Hospice, which is essentially uh, thematically about the dissolution of a relationship as if it was, um, as if you were a worker in a hospice and someone was dying. Um, and somehow this makes it even like, this brings it down even more. It's gorgeous. There's that incredible moment. He just goes full kind of falsetto and he's, he's flying towards the end. Um, it's just this incredible like high wire act. Um, it's lush. He's got a great voice. He seems like a lovely bloke, right? Like from that show, he seemed cool. I think you'd want to be friends with him. I interviewed him previously. He was a really interesting character. I think he's had some health issues as well, right? With his hearing. Um, so he hasn't been releasing a huge amount. He's been doing more low-key stuff to protect his hearing. Um, 
But yeah, this is phenomenal. Everything they've done to me is just great. I think they're they're massively underrated. They definitely are. Yeah, yeah he's very softly spoken in a live setting in particular. He's kind of like the Bob Ross of <laughs> extreme intense heartbreak who will, instead of painting you a nice, uh, I don't know, tree, will chop down the tree and be like, look, look what you did. Very well done. You did that, man. It's an amazing song. They're an amazing band. If you've never checked out The Antlers, please do so. But yeah, I will. I will just say on this song as well. Uh, considering it's "I Don't Want Love," it's one of the few songs with a lyric like that that actually means it. There's so many kind of like you're protesting too much. I don't want love, and then at the end it's like, oh, I really do want love. Ah. So yeah, fair play for sticking your guns. You might call it a love song. Number one for you, Craig. <laughs> That's last night, which uh, until we started doing these lists, I never thought of as an anti-love song, but it actually very much is, right? I'm desperate to hear. Think about the lyrics. So last night she said, talk me through it, Dave. Oh baby, I don't feel so down. (laughs) It turns me off when I feel left out. So I, I turned around, I don't care no more, I'm walking, I noticed for sure I'm walking out that door. It's him just walking out saying, no one understands, your girlfriend won't understand, your, gra- your parents won't understand. Your kids won't understand. In spaceships, they won't understand. <laughs> it's the perfect, like, walking away from an awful situation song. Um, and it's, I think it fills that, um, that kind of I Will Survive slot of being kind of quite uplifting as well. I thought it was a nice place to end it. All right. That's fair enough. Mm. It is an amazing song. It's a great song. Obviously, it borrows heavily from Tom Petty. American Girl just that intro kind of guitar thing I would have served them well and I believe the late Tom Petty was like it's grand sure people nick stuff all the time Um, (laughs) rest in peace Tom (laughs) Um, a good egg Tom Petty but yeah I mean this is not the best stroke song but I think it's the one that means the most to me okay and yeah it's it's been there on a lot of occasions Um, let's move on are you (laughs) alright? I'm just happy to be back number one for me Sometimes you just gotta make it for yourself Sometimes, darling, you just need someone That song is called Hellhole Rat Race. Great song. The I haven't art, heard this in ages. The actor called Girls uh, these days. I think it is a solo guy these days, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Um, astonishing song. Uh, I'd also recommend Vomit by Girls, an amazing song. Just, again, like these lengthy, kind of epic-y, just long, dark nights of the soul. Uh, I, I think the song kind of speaks for itself, really. I don't really know what I can really add to it, apart from, I've said a million times in this show, that when it comes to music uh, that I really, really love and take into my core, it's music that makes me feel something on a visceral level. It's not really a revelatory thing. I assume it's the same for an awful lot of people. Um, but my favourite music is, is that kind of thing that just takes me over and really does something to me. Um, this song, I was kind of listening to it uh, out of the blue around the time that I broke up with someone, or rather we 
mutually broke up together. And it was... Consciously uncoupled, I believe is the term. Yeah. So anyway, um, basically... <laughs> it took us a while to get to the sighing, but we're, we're here towards the tail end of the show. I've been, I've been running around in my fucking brain wondering what I can say about this song, okay. what I can safely say about it. And so I, I want to be respectful. And I will say that ultimately it, it was the song that I went to immediately um, on, on a long bus journey home. And I listened to it about four or five times in a row while tearing up. And it was I didn't give a fuck who saw me or whatever. I just didn't care. I was like, nah, man, this song understands. It's incredibly, I mean, I think it, I think it runs the gauntlet from being bitter to actually, you know, and being kind of hopefully independent. I think, I think it goes from being like, fuck off to actually at the end of it being like, no, there's, there is a mutual thing here. There's, there's an appreciation of the other person. It's not just, yeah, I know I'm betraying the anti-love thing here, but like, I didn't want to say, but no, but like, let's, (laughs) let's be fair. Like, this was going to be my number one no matter what because it is the, the one that kind of made me feel that kind of complete another uh, gushing, I suppose, of emotion with regards to the idea of love and the idea of not having it anymore and the idea of trying to uh, repair and recontextualize yourself as a human being. And also, you can't help but think of the other party as well. Like, I mean, I think it would be inherently selfish to to do that. And I think that this song manages to go from being quite selfish to actually finding a little bit of perspective about the world around you and the people involved and the idea of turning off the world with that person, but you can only do it now by yourself. And it's just the way it builds, the repetition of it, the little lifts, the way it, it goes into this kind of shoegazy, uh, huge crashing conclusion that is drawn out for so long. Uh, it was a tonic. Uh, it was an absolute tonic, um, even though it was a difficult tonic to swallow. And I was glad that it was there, basically, and I still am. It's fucking amazing. It's really well written. It's a fucking yeah, incredible. It's quite song. multifaceted. It, it reminds me a lot of, um, I guess, Elvis Costello's anti love songs, just because it's it, it, it like the vocal is very much leaning into that kind of like yeah, 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 <laughs> at times, and it does kind of that acerbic thing, but also there's a real lack of vanity in being completely unvarnished and honest about your kind of uglier feelings um, along with the sunshine that comes with it. And like girls are that band all around, right? Where you can kind of flip the script on the thematic stuff alongside this quite sunshiny, jangly at times, um, lo-fi indie rock. Um, So yeah, another underrated band. Great song, great choice. That's our top five for the first week. Happy Valentine's Day, Dave. Yeah, what are you doing for it? I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to watch the Late Late Show. No, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I just remember that was on, though. Uh, do they still do the thing where they get everyone liquored up? And I had to work last year covering the event. Yeah, I remember. They clearly had a bit of a downgrade because nothing really happened. Oh, God damn it. That's uh, not what you want if you're on the news beat. I read today that Pat Spillane's going to be on as an agony uncle. I don't know why I'm plugging the late show. <laughs> so I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, so yeah, no real plans, no? Nothing. What about you? Nah, pretty much the same. I'm, I'm going to get a haircut. <laughs> Try to feel better about myself. <laughs> I'm going to get a haircut and I'm going to stare at our new logo, which, by the way, we oh, should yeah. say thank you, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should say a huge thanks to Shane O'Hare, a uh, very talented art director who's helped us out immensely, um, and also James Stafford, who um, did some touching up for us uh, just to get it good and ready for our first live ep um, we're very pleased with it it's a fresh start um, it's a new season season 5 terrifyingly um, we're good to go yeah we should also say thank you to our new sonic architect Adam Shanahan yeah nice to have you with us who Woo! with regards to the anti-love songs picked uh, cuts from Justin Timberlake Dua Lipa 
Robin, Beyonce, and from first to last. So he appreciates the idea of putting in a completely ramshackle, out of control rock slash metalcore song. Yeah. Uh, it's to be, yeah, to be honest, that list kind of fills the cri- criteria better than any of our ones did. So yeah, anyway, have some faith. In have some faith in yourself <laughs> and the show, Craig. Uh, as for the show, yeah, like I say, we're back, and uh, hopefully we haven't just shed a lot of new and old listeners in the space we've of gained one some, ramshackle episode. I'm feeling quite bullish at this point. <laughs> yeah, uh, do me do me a favor. Uh, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Yeah. Make your friends do it. Just grab their phones and hit up Spotify yeah. or Apple Music or whatever and make them subscribe to the show. Please get the word out about the program because yeah. we don't advertise it properly, but we probably will start doing We're that. We're going to start doing yet yeah, more. We'll be on the Twitter machine um, at No Encore Show. I'm going to start running that properly. So there will be content. Um, yeah, we're also going to reach out to us and we'll yeah, have like, a chat. Like, yeah, we're contactable, so <laughs> yeah. do that. DM's open etc. Uh, going to set up a Patreon very, very soon. Yeah. Again, I've heard nothing people, right? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> You're very so, elusive. Send me though. a love letter. For <laughs> okay, yeah. So yeah, like, bright future for the show, so be on board with us and tell yeah. people about it and, you know, send reviews onto iTunes and all that kind of stuff because it does actually make a bit of a difference. What else have you been listening to, man? Destroyer's new one, which is great. Um, better in Time of Palace. It's um, called Have We Met? Dan Bechard is an incredible lyricist. It's like him um, very much doubling down on the incredible work he's been doing on the last few outings um it's vaudevillian at times it's kind of um it's theatrical uh, he's unmoored from any kind of sense of pop structures really um it's quite knowing it's winking there's some great sonic touches it's it's a brilliant album check that out um also saw supergrass recently so i've been listening to a new compilation strange ones what a band what a great bunch of songwriters really really good underrated Britpop act um yeah, so that has been my listening so far this year. Album-wise, I tore through and live-tweeted all 26 minutes of Green Day's new album yesterday when I realised that it was, in fact, 26 minutes. Ten tracks, it's called Father of All, dot dot dot, motherfuckers. I gave that a spin today um, because I was intrigued. <laughs> Some people have said that it's a like way of fulfilling a contractual obligation, and boy, does it sound like it. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It's getting Washed good reviews. Up. It's getting good reviews. People are like, you know, no band has reinvented themselves quite this cleanly. And I'm like, these are not even demos. Green Day never did it for me. Really? Never got it, no. I like no, some... I, I really liked them when I was growing up. Okay, yeah. I like some of the Dookie stuff. I didn't understand how they had a renaissance with American Idiot. That's where like I got just, off the train, yeah. Like, suddenly, Billy Joel became, like... I don't know. He became, like, the new Springsteen or something? Like, it's just those songs are so lackluster. Yeah. Don't. I don't know. I don't know. Let's not do it. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Green Day, Fall Out Boy and Weezer are playing together in the RDS this yes. summer. My Chemical Romance are playing in Kilmainham this summer. Yes. If you had to go to one gig, give in mind that you slagged My Chemical Romance recently on Twitter. I think the live spectacle of My Chemical Romance would kind of trump the rest. And also the fact I've seen Weezer, so I don't need to see them again. If I hadn't seen Weezer, I'd pick Weezer. Fair enough. I've also been listening to a clutch of singles. Uh, Hamilton Lighthouser, he of maybe the best voice in the entire world, has a brand new song I call Here They Come. It's very good. Actually, I wouldn't even say it's very good. It's good. Like, it's kind of in the middle, but like... It's kind of what you'd expect from him. It's pretty much. Doesn't feel like he's he's really moved forward. Rostam not involved unless he's on the credits that I haven't quite seen. It's fine. Like, his voice is so amazing that I'm happy to hear new music from him regardless, yes. but it's not really... It's nothing new. Uh, Code Orange, who are kind of the new, you know, roadrunner... Not so much successors to Slipknot, but definitely been given the nod by them. Uh, that kind of metal band, kind mm-hmm. of a sheen of pop and metal. They have released a couple of singles. The most recent one is called Swallowing the Rabbit Hole. 
And uh, it's right up my street, Craig. It's a great title. And finally, I've been listening to Underdose, which is the debut single by an That's artist by the name of Vance Cass, Ooh. also known as Vinnie Casey, Casey, our boy. Friend of the show. And of Overhead the Albatross fame. He's branched out on his own. Uh, he's doing vocals and stuff, dude. And yeah. It's very much in kind of a... I'm loving those vocals as well. Very Quite much in like... Uh, like very ASMR-y. Little, it's like he's right little, in my ear. little peep kind of thing going on. Sure, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. emo. Uh, he but sent the, me this a while ago and I was like, yeah, this is... It's kind of trip-hoppy vibes as well. It's good. Yeah, much to come from him. Very promising future. Uh, very nice man as well. Yeah, you know? the best people. We might have uh, him back on the show at some point. We might. And uh, yeah, good to be back. That's us. Yeah, one down. I'm exhausted. I feel like we're over the hump. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I like that's exa- I forgot. Like it's quite the endurance test, yeah, isn't it? it We've is. done an hour and a half, nearly. So much for a tighter episode. Eh? <laughs> we'll we'll work on that. We'll work on it, and you can work on yourself too, listener. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Particularly when we set up that Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Happy Valentine's Day. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. (gasps) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle... Is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast? The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.